It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Locked On Bengals Podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Happy Monday, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. It is, of course, Mock Draft Monday, and we will get there very shortly. Just a few visits to talk about that I don't think we've covered on the podcast yet. The first of which is edge rusher Josh Allen, who's expected to go well before the Bengals pick. You can imagine a world where maybe NFL decision makers are very different in their evaluation of Josh Allen than the rest of us on Twitter and around the NFL. But it's hard to see Josh Allen falling to 11. So you wonder if that is a potential trade-up target. You can't really see them trading up for an edge rusher unless they really love a guy. Yeah, and I think it's mostly because this defensive line class is so strong at the top. I wouldn't be surprised if six of the top ten picks were defensive line. And uh, you know, if and if that's not the case, then there's one or two, maybe even three guys that will still be on the board when the Bengals are on the clock at 11. And to decide who that is right now I think would be silly. So I, I'm okay with using a top 30 visit on anyone that's projected to go in the top 10 at this point because uh, you don't want to have – you know, not enough homework on a guy when he gets there. And Josh Allen would be a fun pick because he would give them another edge rusher, versatile kind of guy that can either be a defensive end or a outside linebacker in a 3-4 type scheme. Him and Carl Lawson on the edge rushing would be ideal. I think for most defenses in the league would love to have something like that. So uh, I'm all for that. And if he's there, he I think he'd be a clear best player available. Yeah, if he was there at 11, that would make things, I think, probably pretty clear for the Bengals. That would probably mean that a lot of quarterbacks have been drafted, maybe some offensive tackles. Yeah. Also in for visits, we talked about Ja'Kai Polite coming in. And the more I think about Ja'Kai Polite, if the Bengals had a good interview with him, the more he starts to make sense to me as a guy that they could pick at 42, as he is certainly falling down draft boards due to his pre-draft process, but... You turn on his tape and, you know, you've got a dynamic first step. Effort isn't a question on tape. Really good potential speed rusher. And some people think that he can only be a 3-4 outside linebacker. Wouldn't trust him with his hand down. But he did play more against the run at Florida his senior year than his junior year. Yeah, and I think he's got a little bit of power to him, too. So I, there, I definitely think he would have went top 20 had everything been clean. But if we're also banking it on him winning teams over in his interviews, all reports are that he has not been doing that either. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was third round. The last visit to talk about is Louisiana Tech's Jalen Ferguson reportedly came in for a visit with the Bengals. He was a sack leader in his collegiate career but tested very poorly and there are videos of him doing like many takes on the three cone because he kept falling down yeah and he was a guy that wasn't invited to the combine uh for past issues and i believe uh most people thought he could he had a chance to be a late first rounder maybe second rounder i don't know where he is right now i wouldn't be surprised if he was still a second round type guy but he may be closer to round three. I just think it's interesting that the Bengals are really going heavy, at least on the reports, on defensive line lately for the top 30 visits. It is interesting. I think we expect them to draft some defensive line at some point, and oh, yeah. some of the guys are potential day two, you know, third round types. So we'll see where they end up drafting uh, a defensive line. I mean, it's deep is the good news. You can get guys, especially at edge, 
for a while. And the class is deep in a few positions, I'd say. Tight end, we've talked about. Defensive end, especially at the top. There's a lot of premier talent there. And wide receiver, especially. Very deep at wide receiver this year. Yeah, and just thinking of the last few visits with Draymond Jones, also Ohio State, defensive tackle, uh, nickel nickel interior rusher guy. I think Jalen Ferguson also Mm -hmm. fits into that. Rashawn Gary, I think, also fits into that. So they've definitely... um, uh, kind of focus their attention on a certain type. And I, I think it would make a lot of sense to take that type of player on day two. And maybe when we're drafting, we'll target that position also. Yeah, I think I think we might. The last bit of news that will affect how we draft potentially, although it shouldn't really, because I think we've been operating as if Mark Walton won't be on the team for a while. Is the Bengals finally made the release of Mark Walton official. They waived him Friday, I believe, saying that, it would take away from the good work the rest of the team is doing, yada, yada. It was an obvious move. I'm glad that it's done. I hope Mark Walton gets the help he needs and straightens his life out. Because, you know, it's, it's always sad when you see this happen. And the last bit of news to discuss before we get into our first round of Mock Draft Monday is increasing reports that the Bengals will draft or might draft, I should say, a quarterback at 11. This time, NFL draft scout Matt Miller saying that keep an eye on the Bengals drafting a quarterback at 11 if Zach Taylor has his eyes on his guy. Also reported by Lance Zerline when he said, Dwayne Haskins may take a fall, and if he doesn't get picked by the Bengals at 11, it might be a, it might be a further slide, was, was the Zerline tweet. Yeah, and a reply to himself or a reply to other people also adding number 11 for that for context. Uh, and we've talked about this, right? We, I mean, obviously we've talked about the idea of a quarterback, but we've talked about rumors and tips and, and just inklings of information we've gotten. And uh, for about a good part of a month, if not a little bit more than that. And so it's not surprising. I, I like to hear that this is the case. When people have asked me, I, I have said, well, I don't know, but I think if the right guy is there, and that's always the case with quarterback, then I could see it happening. I, I think if the board falls a certain way and a certain quarterback is there, yeah, I don't think it's off the table by any means. Especially this year, we haven't had a coach go on record saying, you know, everything's on the table except for quarterback, and in fact, they've said everything's on the table, and it's common with new coaches to want to go get a new quarterback. The other name that we haven't talked about besides Dwayne Haskins, and we've talked about Drew Locke a lot recently on on Friday. Drew Locke's name came up a lot. Daniel Jones is a guy that there's a lot of buzz around NFL Twitter right now saying that NFL teams see him better than media types or or draft Twitter, whatever you want to call it. I I, I can see that. Yeah, and and my initial tweet on the topic was, uh, I don't know if I like Daniel Jones at 11 and and then Joe and I put on his Virginia tape Virginia Tech game and I realized that maybe I've been too harsh on Daniel Jones. I need to I see blame more. myself. Yeah, I blame Joe too. He's he's got me soured on Daniel Jones. And and it, you you know, you watch it the combine stuff and I get the personality thing like he he's he's definitely a little dry. And I was just going to say that uh when I originally watched Daniel Jones, I liked him. And I thought, oh, yeah, he'll go in the first round for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, and I recognize some of his flaws. Things he does well is I think he runs that offense extremely well at Duke. Uh, a lot of RPO stuff, a lot of quick passes, gets it out to the right guy. Honestly, I think on the RPO stuff, he's almost flawless. I think he's got good, deep accuracy for for what, not having a strong arm or at least an above-average arm. He doesn't. It, it's barely average in terms of uh, velocity and power behind it, but he does push it downfield relatively accurate. And I think he moves in the pocket well. So for me, there's a lot of reasons to like Daniel Jones. I think there's a lot of reasons why you shouldn't like him either, and that's for one, I think his personality is, is, it rubs me or at least is not attractive in, in terms of some of these other quarterbacks. I think at times I wish his arm was stronger because he tries to force some throws when it goes off script. There are times when, man, he runs and it looks really good, and there's times where I feel like you're doing too much and you become a liability with the football. Having said that, if the Giants take him at, what is it, six or seven, six? I don't think we should be surprised if they take him at 17. I think that makes sense. Daniel Jones to, to the Giants is picking up a lot of steam. But there are have been people that have said, an analyst, I mean, and draft guys, that have said Daniel Jones probably fits Zach Taylor 
in his offense the way Jared Goff fit Sean McVay. Yeah, and there are reasons for skepticism on Daniel Jones. His production scores, according to Jim Metrics, who does the threshold stuff based on college production, are average. He has a 49 production score, whereas you compare to the top of the class, Kyler Murray, 97, Dwayne Haskins, 96, even Will Greer, 86. Yep, Low and that puts him score. as a, um, a baseline starter and not a Pro Bowl-type quarterback or All-Pro. Which is, you know, sounds familiar, right? He also had a pretty bad 2017, according to Pro Football Focus, when his passing grade was only 57.8. But the other thing you could say about him that Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins didn't do is at least he started in 2017. Looking at his run grades, too, they're pretty good, all things considered. he's he's, uh, No one's near Kyler, but there's a a bunch of guys that are in the... uh, He's not Tyree Jackson either, but it's it's basically Trace McSorley, Clayton Thorson, and Daniel Jones and Drew Locke, which all guys that tested decently athletic. And that's the last point to make about Drew Locke. He did test fairly well athletically. He's not as yeah. athletic as Kyler Murray, obviously. Not as athletic as Tyree Jackson. Tyree Jackson, but I think Drew Locke used... and Daniel Jones did. Yeah. And I was just going to say, I think he uses his athleticism better in games than Drew Locke from what I've seen. I think he's a more effective scrambler, but PFF grades don't really bear that out. And I haven't seen enough of Daniel Jones to comment definitively either way. In the Virginia Tech game, at least, he looked much. He, he, looked, he looked good as a runner. I think he made good choices and was effective when he decided to scramble. Yeah, and we'll watch more games so that uh, we can have... Uh, more of an opinion but I did write about him for the athletic I will tweet that out today on my Twitter uh, timeline so if you want to go read up what I wrote about Daniel Jones from a while ago you can do that also one thing of note too uh, he was a three-year starter at Duke 2,500 snaps which is on the high end of of a lot of these quarterbacks uh, which may suggest his potential has been reached despite all that though he's only 22 Compared to some of the quarterbacks coming out of this class at 24. Man, the quarterbacks are all old. The youngest quarterback in this draft class is Tyree Jackson, 21. Dwayne Haskins, Kyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, all 22. And that's no surprise why teams like them and why we hear about those guys at the top four. And then Will Greer, who just turned 24 years old, is considered probably the fifth guy. And I think if Will Greer was 22, people would look at him a little bit differently. I think the NFL certainly would. So that is all of the news that we're going to talk about. Now we're going to get into Mock Draft Monday. This week we're back on the Draft Network on the Mock Draft Machine. They've updated their predictive board. They've got Kyler Murray going number one overall, I think, at least most of the time, which is what we all expect at this point. And hopefully we get that. And we've got more work done on several positions in our own draft preparations. So... We're going to be leaning on that a little bit more this week. So here we go. Let's get started. Kyler Murray does go number one overall. Ed Oliver's gone. Dwayne Haskins is gone. Many edge rushers are gone. This is a very familiar scenario to me from what I've seen yep. in some, some previous mock drafts. Devin White goes at 10 to Denver. And we've talked about this for the last few weeks where Buffalo and Denver are in prime position to take guys the Bengals might like right before the Bengals pick. And this is exactly what happened, man. Ed Oliver and then Devin White, 9 and 10. I think if the Bengals pick ultimately didn't work out, we would look back and say, here they go again, just losing out on players they, or at least we covet, uh, one or two picks right ahead of them. And is it worth it in some of these to give up that third or fourth round or whatever it may be to, to just to swap and move up a couple spots? Uh, and Either way, we're on the clock now, and the names at the top of their board are DK Metcalf, Drew Locke, TJ Hawkinson, Brian Burns, Noah Fant, Devin Bush, and Andre Dillard. Also, I should guess we should we should consider Christian Wilkins, Cody Ford, and Jonah Williams because I mean it's a good it's a good second tier here for the for the draft. It is a pretty good second tier here that they could consider. And the real question is are they picking a quarterback if Dwayne Haskins is off the board? And here he is to the Giants. And we talked in the open about the Giants potentially picking Daniel Jones. So do the Bengals go Daniel Jones here at 11, looking like the perfect quarterback potentially to step in and run Zach Taylor's offense from day one? 
Do they take Drew Locke and gamble on upside, which we've talked about, I think is a pretty risky gamble. You have a high risk for a high reward, whereas Daniel Jones probably has, probably has, not definitely has, probably has a higher floor, less upside, but I think there is still upside there. Just less. He's a four-year starter, three-year starter, three-year starter. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, the scenario we talk about, when we say quarterback, if it's going to happen, it's got to be the right situation. Uh, for me, that w- I would think more of Dwayne Haskins falling, probably because we've been programmed to think Haskins was going to be the number two quarterback drafted until this last few weeks. And soon people may say, oh, it's a smokescreen. Yeah, well, this is about the time we figured out Baker Mayfield was going to be the first quarterback drafted also. So I think right now is when you start to get a clearer picture of quarterbacks. Well, it could still happen that he goes top five. I think uh, we should take note of this this report. But when we say, point being, when we say it has to be the right scenario, I think having Devin White and Ed Oliver go before the Bengals pick helps that scenario come to fruition. Uh, I would say, uh, and then not getting a Josh Allen, who they just brought in, or any other of, the, of these top guys really to fall, puts them in a situation where they where they question now, okay, do we take Brian Burns, an edge rusher, uh, and say we'll get some production out of him. We may not need him per se, but everyone can use an edge rusher. Do we take one of the tight ends to slowly rotate into the into the trio that they would then have and take over more in 2020? Do you take a offensive lineman that maybe gets some play time because people will get hurt this year and, and then probably be a starter in 2020 and beyond? Do you take a linebacker like Devin Bush and say, you know what, we know the value, uh, but we really need a linebacker, and he's the best guy, and we feel there's a drop-off to the next tier. Let's just go ahead and jump on him right now. Or do you say Christian Wilkins is the best defensive tackle on the board? We'll take Christian Wilkins. So for me, I think it's tough. I think you have to go back to the board and say none of these guys are going to fill really a need day, day one outside of Devin Bush. So does that mean we take Devin Bush? I would have Joan Williams higher. I would have TJ Hawkinson higher. I would have Brian Burns higher. Uh, but – are you drafting for 2019 or are you drafting for 2020 and beyond? And that is the question. I think in terms of positional value, let's stick to our guns here and pass on Devin Bush, much to the chagrin of some of our listeners who desperately want a linebacker and looking at positional value and guys that can really make an impact on the game. Christian Wilkins is the name that we should be talking about. I think given his Pro football focus scores. He's what was it? Second in in pass rush productivity in. and pass. Yeah. Yep. So run so, and pass. That's what we want to say. <laughs> yeah, he's second in defending the run and the pass from the defensive tackle position behind Quinn and Williams. He tested well. He has questionable productivity metrics, and this is Jim Coburn's stuff again. We've been talking a lot about that. That really makes you wonder if he can be an yep. elite elite player at the position. Right. This That's, is starter level. He tests out. He he. His production stuff is starter level, not Pro Bowl level. And that's enough for me to really take a pause here and say, let's look elsewhere. But then the guy that I want to look at is Daniel Jones, and he also tests his starter level, yep, not Pro Bowl level in terms of productivity. If you're asking me, I want to go Brian Burns. I want to take who I believe is probably the best player on the board at a at a premium position. I'm factoring in premium position while ranking these in my head. Uh, for me, Brian Burns, an edge rusher out of Florida State, tested fantastically elite edge rusher type. Um, this is, And if there's any – we talk about production metrics and athletic, athletic testing a lot on this podcast. But if there's one position where it has a strong correlation, maybe the strongest correlation, it is that edge rusher. And I think it was even – we talked about Matt Miller saying – about the quarterback report for the Bengals, but Matt Miller also tweeted that we as – the internet are much higher on Brian Burns than the NFL is. So while I think he de- is deserving of a top six pick, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he is there at 11 and then maybe even goes 17, 18, 19 range. And I wonder why that is. I wonder if it is like a size thing, the way his size played. I bet it is. And Yeah, because he, he looks refined too. It's not that he's just a speed bend guy. Right. His tape is really good. He converts to power. He's got long arms. He uses them. He's got. He's good. And production-wise, I think he led uh, for PFF all disruptions for edge rushers in, in college football last year. And you can look around the internet and see different writers at different sites that are totally unrelated, including Pro Football Focus and the Draft Network that we're using for this mock draft. 
you can see writers say he has good pass rush moves. He uses his hands well. So sure, let's go Brian Burns. Let's make it different. This is the first time I think we've used uh, our first round selection on Brian Burns on Mock Draft Monday. And this is over TJ Hawkinson, who you really consider, over Devin Bush, who you also really consider, and over quarterback, potentially Daniel Jones, Drew Locke. Sure, or over offensive line, too. I think Jonah Williams and Andre Dillard being on the board, Cody Ford, one of those guys would help you at some point this year. I just don't like the idea of drafting a backup at 11. So we'll take Brian Burns, who can step in and be a pass rusher right away and update you on the rest of the first round here as soon as we can. Blake Cashman just went in the first round. Was that right? Is that is that is that so? Let's take that a look is, here. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. 22 or so. We'll get there. TJ Hawkinson went next to Green Bay. Drew Locke goes to Miami at 13 and then I don't know if Miami is taking a quarterback this year, but they certainly could if, I guess, one falls all the way to 13. Devin Bush goes to the Steelers at 20, which is kind of a scenario (laughs) that you have to think about when the Bengals are drafting. It's if the Bengals don't draft Devin Bush, will anybody else before the Steelers draft Devin Bush? And the answer is probably no, the way that a lot of these mocks tend to go. Atlanta gets their pass rusher, their interior defender, and Christian Wilkins, not Ed Oliver, that you see in a lot of mocks. A lot of mocks are connecting Atlanta to Ed Oliver. Mac Wilson of Alabama, the third linebacker off the board to Oakland at 24. That's the earliest I've seen him. And then Blake Cashman, you're correct, 31 to the Los Angeles Rams. I love it. Also quite a few wide receivers here in the first round. A.J. Brown, Hakeem Butler, Nikhil Harry, DK Metcalf, four receivers in the first round. You know, Blake Cashman grades really high for us also. He does. And and Dalton Reisner at 40. Man, oh, Jeffrey Simmons at 41. Man, I'm so tired of the Bills and Broncos right now. (laughs) Get used to it, I think, Yeah, is, is what I would say to that. So the Bengals are back on the clock here at 42. We've gone edge rusher in the first round, which means that there's still outstanding needs at linebacker, tight end. You could use a lineman. You could say quarterback. You could say they want a defensive tackle. Looking at the top players available, according to the draft network, Chris Lindstrom, interior lineman from Boston College. Irv Smith, tight end from Alabama. No thanks on Irv Smith. Not touching him. That's kind of where it's gotten with him. Kelvin Harmon, wide receiver from NC State. Debo Samuel, wide receiver from South Carolina. Charles Amenahue, interior defensive lineman, who can also play some edge, I think, from Texas. Yannick Adjust is there at offensive tackle. Ja'Kai Polite at edge. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, especially after he ran that 4-4-9 that we talked about at wide receiver. Jay Sternberger even at 40, 49 on their board. Oh, they really like him, huh? Yeah, if you want to go tight end. We also just missed on Noah Fant. So the four picks before the Bengals, Noah Fant, Armani Arurore, Dalton Reisner, and Jeffrey Simmons. You're close on that money, Arurore, huh? And is that, is that, uh, is, I think that's as close as we're going to get until they draft him, and then we'll definitely figure that one out. Uh, yeah, this is a... a interesting situation we get into a scenario now where it's okay the board doesn't look great uh you know looking at linebacker the the top guys they have listed are Voshan Joseph I'm not interested that high uh Drew Tranquil I am interested in but I think this is too early again he's got some way too early yeah he's got some some issues there uh Tavon Coney from uh, Notre Dame Ben Burkirvin from Washington Yes, I'd get interested in those guys. And then Jermaine Pratt from NC State, who I think is more of a third-rounder, but I'd definitely be interested in him in the, in that range. According to what we have in our spreadsheet, if we're looking at linebacker here, this is clear-cut Ben Burkirvin. Yeah. Ben Burkirvin like, has no doubt. very similar weight height to Devin Bush. He's, he's an inch taller, has a similar arm length. Ran a very similar 40. They ha- He has a slightly worse athleticism, but much better production. Graded excellently from Pro Football Focus as a pass defender and really improved against the run in 2018 from 2019. Has an excellent production score, I think I mentioned, from uh, Geometrics, Jim yep. Coburn. So if you want a linebacker here, this is Ben Burkirvin 
really kind of running away. Bember Kerfin, the way we've got it right now, is graded very, very similarly to Devin Bush. Yeah, and to sell you a little bit on it, PFF has him in, in pass coverage last two years, 2018 and 2017, a 91.2 and 91.1. That puts him in elite pass coverage category uh, to compare to Devin Bush as an 87 and a 77. So, you know, he blows him out of the water there. Uh, he's been a three-year starter, 1,944 snaps. If you want to look at his run stop percentage, 10.8. Uh, every 10.8 snaps, he gets a run stop. That's 33rd of all draftable linebackers, which is really good. You want to be in like the top 50 because this, I mean, if there's three linebackers on each team, this is you want to be in the top 50. Devin Bush, on the other hand, is uh, 120th in run stop percentage. So his run stop percentage is really low. Tackling efficiency for Devin Bush, 98th out of all draftable linebackers. Ben Burkirvan, 31st. Uh, cover snaps per target. So how many snaps were you in, in before you got targeted in coverage? And for Devin Bush, he was 123rd. For Ben Burkirvin, he was 152. So really not a big difference there. They both were getting targeted uh, very often in coverage. And despite how much Ben Burkirvin was targeted in coverage, still had very good pass defense grades from Pro Football Focus above 90. That's yeah. elite. That means elite, you're making elite. plays on the ball and you're tackling right afterwards. The so tackling the other- efficiency is a big one here, right? Yeah. And the other guy we talked about, Jermaine Pratt, even though we're talking about him more as a third-round guy, very solid tackler, ranked sixth in the class for tackling efficiency, better than Devin White, better than Devin Bush, obviously, and was fifth in run-stop percentage, which out of the guys you're really considering in in this top two, three rounds is is clear-cut number one. But I think they're different players, right? Ben Burkirvin would oh, be different, a weak side sure. linebacker. Jermaine Pratt would be a middle linebacker. To me, I, I could draft them both and them both on the field and, and feel good about it. Uh, but for me, I feel like we want an outside linebacker. We want somebody that can cover, uh, play that nickel role. And for me, that's Blake. I mean, I'm sorry, Ben Burkirvin early. But between the two of them, right. definitely. But that doesn't mean I don't like Pratt. I'd like him. I'm just trying to split hairs on position differences. I think, I think Pratt is you know we've talked about i think pratt a bit on this podcast he's your traditional thumper type he isn't totally lost in coverage but he's certainly more of a liability there than you would think ben burkirvin is based on athleticism based on tape and then pratt tested really well so you know you hope that maybe there's more to him in coverage than what he showed there is some potential upside there the other player that we need to come back and talk about is Daniel Jones is still here. Do we consider him or do we say he's going to be gone in real life so we better not pick him in the second round? That's how I feel. I feel like sometimes on these mock machines, a player's there that I don't expect it, so I just kind of ignore it. So ignore that I said Daniel Jones is available. <laughs> what about Jay Sternberger? Do you do you like him in the second? Uh, no, I don't. I think no. that's... I think we're at the the definite second tier of tight ends, and it's a very mixed bag. Uh, for me, I, I like Sternberger, but I would try to hope for the value of, of the third round before I look at these linebackers. I mean, okay. these tight ends. Okay, how about how about a wide receiver? Debo Samuel, JJ Arcega, Whiteside. They brought early? in Debo Samuel, right? They they did they? Yes. Yeah, if I remember correctly, because I think we talked about him a little bit. He's a slot, big, strong guy. Reminds me of Anquan Bolden. Uh, and if this is the Rams offense, you're going to have a lot of slot guys and he would fit and you'd figure it out from there. Uh, so that makes sense to me. But I would see him more as a Tyler Boyd, maybe replacement. Re- and I'm not ready to replace Tyler Boyd after his first good year. So mm-hmm. for me, you know, what I'd consider is, is someone that we we talked about Christian Wilkins, but his teammate and nose tackle of the team. Uh, Dexter Lawrence is also on the board there. Dexter Lawrence is a guy that grades pretty high for us also. I'm not ready to take a nose tackle, although he does have pretty good production as a pass rusher, surprisingly, for his size. He's like 350, giant, giant human being. I think some people kind of knock him because who who was his replacement in the bowl game? Or Or was it Wilkins that was hurt? Wilkins got hurt. Okay. Never mind. We're going to stick to our board, I think, and, and take Ben Burkirvin here. Yeah, and people are going to say, who? What? Ben Burkirvin has been a um, three-year starter, 1,944 snaps at Washington. So we're going with back to the John Ross well, right, and that I know you guys all love. But Ben Burkirvin, six foot, 230 pounds. So he's in the, in the mold of all these guys, these, these 
lighter, quicker guys, ran a 4.56, which is more than good enough. His relative athletic score, so to compare him to all other linebackers, was a 8.94, which is in the elite category. He graded extremely well for PFF. You watch him on tape, he moves really well. Uh, sure, he doesn't take on blockers that well, but when we're talking about an athlete that's good in coverage, of course he doesn't take on blockers. Production-wise, highest score of all these linebackers at a 98.03. It puts him in the all-pro territory. This is a good bet to take, and we're taking it in the second round. Pro Football Focus also really, really likes Ben Burkirvan. Just to recap the second round here, in the top of the third, Debo Samuel went the very next pick to the Detroit Lions. Ja'Kai Polite stops his slide to the Atlanta Falcons, who now have gotten two defensive linemen, Christian Wilkins and Ja'Kai Polite. And this is something that we were sort of considering as well, going two defensive linemen in the first two rounds, but... I think the Falcons, no one would be surprised if that's the way it works. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, after running his 4-4-9 in his pro day, goes all the way at 46 to Washington. Let's see that's what fun. else is notable here. Yadne Dexter Kajust. Lawrence. Yep, there's Dexter Lawrence. Yadni Kajust at 53 to the Eagles. Dexter Lawrence to the Patriots. So, of course, now he's going to have a good career because the Patriots' logos X them. Although they haven't been great, actually, at drafting defensive interior players. No, Malcolm Brown being the... First rounder from Texas they took who just had an okay start to his career. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Anybody else notable goes here. Draymond Jones at 60 to Ohio uh, to uh, sorry San Diego, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, wherever they play. Amani yeah. Hooker also safety to the Steelers. The Steelers are having a um, draft where they're getting a lot of our guys. They finally got a safety at appropriate round value who yeah. probably won't <laughs> suck. They also That's got right. Kelvin Harmon in case you want to hate on the Steelers anymore. Kelvin Harmon in the in the second round at 52, receiver from NC State. Very refined player. But we're now on the clock in the third round. We're going to take a quick break and get right back with the rest of the draft. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. It is Mock Draft Monday. We've gone two rounds so far. We're on the clock in round three. To recap, we've taken Brian Bird's edge rusher out of Florida State in the first round at number 11. In round two, we came back with a guy that's very high on our board, earned a high grade from us, linebacker, athletic guy, Ben Burkirvan out of Washington. We're sitting here in round three. We've taken... Brian Burns, Ben Burkirvan. I'm looking for Bruce Banner. Is he on the board? Other alliterative options for the third round include Dennis Daly, Rennell Wren, Ben, ben Bonagoo. Bonagoo. The top of the draft network board is Jay Sternberger. Also, there is Paris Campbell, Demarcus Lodge. Paris Campbell would fit this offense a lot. That would be an interesting one, I think. The underneath stuff. You can give him some those jet sweeps. Oh, yeah, he'd fit there. I'm not high, as high on Jay Sternberger as they are. Right now, our, our tight end rankings, even though we have Sternberger in this next tier, so it only is, is split by a, a, a point or so. Uh, not maybe two points. But it, for us, it goes Josh Oliver, San Jose, Foster Moreau, LSU, Caleb Wilson, UCLA, and then Jay Sternberger from Texas A&M. That is interesting, especially when you look at how the productivity score for Caleb Wilson is is very strong. None of them are very accomplished as blockers. Yeah, they've all got good produ- production scores. When we're com- we don't have Boston Moreau's yet, but looking at Oliver, Caleb Wilson, and Jace Sternberger, all are eighty plus. With Caleb Wilson being in the ninety five, add in the relative athletic score, and that's really what separates them. Mm-hmm. Is why Oliver ends up being above both Wilson and Sternberger. It's interesting. We should also talk about a few, you could call them fallers, potentially, and Greg Little. Yep. You could say Will Greer. Yep. What other positions are we going to look at here? So when you look at tight end, it's Jay Sternberger, Dawson Knox, Dax Raymond on their board. But as we talked about, we have Josh Oliver higher. He's still there. You can 
probably get him in the fourth in this exercise. I don't know how that'll translate to the actual NFL draft. I think third round will start his range for Oliver. So what else are we looking at here, Joe? Well, I do like the idea of the falling tackles, even though we've, you know, if we were to look at it and use our board, which we're trying to do, Max Sharping is the highest rated tackle we have available. So it's really not looking at the fallers. It's a faller on their board seeing Greg Little still there. But we definitely like Max Sharping more. So Max Sharping could be our best player available at this point. And then you have to talk about Will Greer on that kind of separate quarterback board. Will Greer is up there on our quarterback grade so far. The big yeah. knock on him being 24, does that mitigate the risk now here in the third round? Looking at our board, our top guy would be Jermaine Pratt. And do we want to go back-to-back linebacker? And really, it's solidify that position for the future. I won't have a problem doing that either. I'm not ready to double-dip at linebacker, but one guy we haven't really talked about a ton here is Elton Jenkins, who played center at Mississippi State, but has the length to play really anywhere on the offensive line, has the athletic testing probably to play at least all three interior positions, if not tackle. Yeah, I agree. kind of reminds me of Braden Smith last year out of Auburn, who went to the Colts, second-round pick 37, uh, they had two second rounders. They got from one from the Jets, if you remember. And really, drafting Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith retooled their offensive line completely on on that side or uh, on the right tackle spot that that Smith was playing. So Smith went from an interior guy to a tackle because of the way he measured and tested. I think Elton Jenkins could potentially do the same thing. He's got 34 inch arms at six four and three fifteen. Uh, even if he doesn't end up being a tackle for them, he is your top interior uh, backup for now and potentially could back up the tackle spots be your swing tackle and honestly we should be concerned with you know the future if it's not going to be Clint Bowling at left guard if Christian Westerman's never going to get a shot and then if John Miller who the Bills are more than happy to let go doesn't land on his feet and hit the ground running we could need a right guard or potentially center if Billy Price again, doesn't take a year two step. So for me, I think this pick is warranted and I would have him in the second round range. So seeing him in the third round means he's really high on our best remaining board. And he was the pick. Let's recap the third round here. The rest of the third round sees Paris Campbell go two picks later to Buffalo. Andy Isabella, the couple of wide receivers that we were kind of considering there. We didn't mention Isabella on air, but two receivers we were considering go 74, 75, Let's see, Nate Davis, Charlotte guard that you really like, goes 78 to Miami, so another interior lineman. Titus Howard, an offensive tackle the Bengals have been linked to, goes 81 to Minnesota. Kalen Saunders, who we've picked many times on this podcast, goes 84 to Seattle, which is a very Seattle pick. I love that he's going in the third round in these mocks now. Yeah, that helps. Uh, Jay Sternberger, the tight end we were considering, goes 88 to Detroit. Greg Little goes all the way down to 93 to the New Hmm. York Jets. We're starting to see some thinning out a tackle happen with Chuma Adoga also off the board. And now we're back on the clock. We should look at tight end again. We should look at tackle. Looking at tight end, Josh Oliver's there at the top of their board, and I believe the top of our board as well. Yeah, Yeah. even though I really like Foster Moreau also. Yeah, and it's hard not to. I think he, he was underused at LSU. Exactly. So I we don't have his production score. I expect it to be low because of that. Mm-hmm. But of the two guys, like people keep talking about Dawson Knox as, oh, this guy didn't catch a touchdown. He really wasn't used in that Ole Miss offense. Uh, you know, he's the guy you want to you want for to be that tight end, uh, you know, that's going to turn into George Kittle. In my mind, it might be Foster Moreau, actually. So Foster Moreau is a consideration. Josh Oliver, I think, also is a consideration at this point let's look at offensive tackle max sharping is still there do you think it's realistic for max sharping to be there in the fourth round i don't think it's realistic for a lot of these guys we're looking at this board it's got caleb mcgarry uh and max sharping i think that's probably wishful thinking in the fourth round if that if that happens man let's double up on offensive tackle throughout this draft because i like mcgarry especially if we get into the third round Bobby Evans out of Oklahoma had a really good 17, wasn't as good in 2018, and that's hurting him, mm-hmm. but I would take him in the fourth round also. There's some other people that people, that some really like, Ryan Bates here from Penn State, who may be a guard, but really athletic guard that if you watch him on polling and, and any type of power plays, man, he, he looks like a guy I want, even though we've already addressed guard. 
What other positions are we looking at? Quarterback, let's just take a quick look. Will Greer's still there. Defensive tackle, I would be interested in. Defensive tackle is looking thin at this point. Do any of these names stand out to you? No, we don't have grades on all these guys yet. I plan on doing defensive tackle next, uh, finishing the the bottom end guys. Uh, Daniel Wise and and Kingsley Kiki are guys I am aware of and I have watched a little bit of, but neither are guys that I like, yeah, I need to have them. So, no, we may have missed the boat a little bit on defensive tackle. And that's something good to note. Uh, As the boards start to settle on the social, you know, the draft media sites, as you call them, defensive tackle maybe more accurately reflected to what to expect of the NFL draft. So maybe getting a... Yeah, by having Renell Wren and Kalen Saunders go in the third round. You know, those were guys we were trying to target in the fourth round normally when we did this. So this time through, as things get more refined, some of our previous fourth round targets are gone. And just looking at addressing a need and marrying it up with value, Josh Oliver, the San Jose State tight end, really stands out at this point. He has good productivity, good athleticism, good size. He's an average, probably a best blocker, three-year starter. Has pretty good grades from PFF as well. Had some drops, though, is his only issue. But he moves really well. You can see it. He stands out amongst other tight ends. Uh, He and Foster Moreau both, and this was the decision we came down to, was him or the LSU tight end. And when they were both at the Senior Bowl, athletically, they didn't look similar at all. And Oliver stood out completely. Uh, I think Oliver has some clunkiness to him at times. And I think that's what gets him in trouble a little bit with the dropsies, is you have to be just that natural fluid receiver. He's more of uh, of a C.J. Ozama type catcher of the football and that's not a bad thing and i for me I, I like oliver i like his upside i think in the fourth round that's definitely worth it although if i had my choice and once we get closer to this and our board fills out a little bit more i think i'd lean towards more of a y type tight end it's just that uh right now oliver is really great at high for us that is true and maybe that y type tight end isn't necessarily a fourth round guy maybe because some of those guys that are y types that we're talking about especially Foss moreau is one that is very undeveloped in his use in the passing game in this particular mock he does go seven picks later to the atlanta falcons so he wouldn't be an option in the fifth round but maybe you're looking in the fifth round potentially for your inline tight end some other notable picks here in the fourth round: Tyree Jackson to Buffalo at one, th- or sorry, to the Chargers yeah. at one thirty. So they got two former Buffalo quarterbacks with uh, Tyrod Taylor taking a chance on the development of Tyree Jackson. Tyree and Tyrod both from Buffalo. There you go. You get what I'm saying. There you I, go. I do. Yeah. Uh huh. <laughs> Any Anyone else? Ones? Yeah, Lamont yeah. Galliard we've taken. Lamont Galliard goes to the top of the fourth round. Yes, the center from Georgia goes to Arizona. So it's nice to see Lamont Galliard getting a yep. little bit more respect in the mock draft simulator. We were taking him in like the seventh. Yep. Not seventh. We've never gone to the seventh. Maybe the sixth. Yeah. Bobby Evans, the offensive tackle we were talking about, goes 145 to the Hunter Renfro. Bucks. And Hunter Renfro, wide receiver from Clemson, who doesn't drop the ball, Does is not. a future... What what would you say? Future Edelman type? <laughs> yeah, I would think so. He runs such good routes and has great hands. Honestly, uh, of course we're going to compare him to any Patriots receiver, but there's a good chance that he could be that. So here we are on the clock in the fifth round, and the options are obviously thinning out as happens in the draft, and the deep positions that are still available are running back wide receiver for the most part. Mm-hmm. So you look at a guy like Keyshawn Johnson, you look at a guy like David Sills, Gary Jennings, both West Virginia guys I like, Penny Hart, Georgia State. Yeah, Penny Hart receivers that I, I still – Yeah. Then looking at running back, there's Rodney Anderson who – Succeeded Joe Mixon at Oklahoma, has had major injury issues in his career, had a broken leg, had a broken vertebrae in his neck. That one wasn't displaced, didn't require surgery, so it sounds like that one isn't necessarily a long-term concern. But the big one is a torn ACL, and he didn't play, he only played two games in 2018 and decided to forego his senior year just to try to get into the NFL, stick with the team coming off a torn ACL. And that happened week two in college, so he should be okay to go this 
upcoming year. The other guys are Elijah Holyfield from Georgia, who looked good on tape, and everyone thought he actually maybe could potentially be a second-round pick, and then he completely bombed in the worst way, the bad way, the combine, and ran incredibly slow. I think the other guy there for Kentucky fans is Benny Snell at running back. Benny Snell at running back from Kentucky, and Travion Williams, the Texas A&M running back, who Mm. is linked with Jim Turner, is a name that has surfaced in the last couple of days. I've seen a few people talk about that on Twitter just after the Mark Walton release talking about running back targets, but Rodney Anderson has very good ability catching the football, was used in the slot from time to time, was able to high point balls, running wheel routes, shows good ability to make cuts in the open field without much wasted movement, but I think isn't necessarily the type to run through contact a bunch, but when you're talking about a third running back and the talent that he could potentially be the upside there in the fifth round, that's a nice risk to take. Yeah, at six foot two twenty four, like you said, he's not gonna he, he's gonna break some tackles because of that size. But he's a lot like Mixon, where he outruns angles and makes guys miss because he's way more athletic than you expect for a bigger back. And if he can regain that athleticism after hurting himself, I'd man I, potentially. I think Anderson could have been a second rounder had he have stayed healthy, played really well. I wouldn't be surprised actually if people would have thought he was a late first rounder. Also coming back to back years in seventeen and eighteen, having posting good years if had that have happened. Uh, so I'm down with a Rodney Anderson pick. Only thing that gives me pause is I still like a few of the late rounders and Darwin Thompson, Miles Gaskin, uh, you know, coming up later on, on this board. Mm-hmm. Looking around at some other positions, there's Isaiah Prince at offensive tackle from Ohio State. I think that's more of a sixth, seventh round kind of target. Mitch Hyatt, the guy they brought in. Mitch Hyatt, yeah, the Clemson tackle that they did bring in. He was a four year starter. That's somebody that they could look at potentially uh, sixth round as well. So there are some options for late round developmental tackles. This is something that we have neglected in this particular version of the mock draft just because it just doesn't seem terribly likely at this point that tackle is a huge priority for them. So we will take a running back here to potentially succeed the position. At the very least, he has... Not a whole lot of pressure coming back from injury. He can be a good third third running back in the system. And we expect at this point that they might take a running back round five, round six to supplement yep. the top two guys they have in Mixon and Bernard. Especially if they're going to be a running team. And there's some at least evidence that that could be the case with the way the Rams ran uh, Todd Gurley. And so... Uh, looking at at the, at the very least, Anderson, if you give him a year or, or give him time to fully acclimate himself and get back to health, health he could take over for Geo as the primary backup in 2020. And we're going to stop after five rounds today, just looking at the picks that we've made. Brian Burns in the first round is a best player available pick. He is a pass rusher of the future for sure. He's your outside guy with Carl Lawson it gives you uh, an extra pass rusher an extra edge guy which you can never have enough of Ben Burkirvin in the second round linebacker from Washington who is a pick according to our board that makes a lot of sense there in the second round and we still have some adjustments to make the linebacker position so this might change a little bit but based on his production based on his testing based on his pro football focus grading based on his tape there isn't as much to distinguish Ben Burkirvin from Devin Bush as you might think. So if that's not somebody you've given a lot of attention to and you think, what are you doing picking him in the second round? I would say, go give it a look and, you know, make your own opinion from, from what you see on YouTube. Yeah. And then round three, we go to offensive line finally with Elton Jenkins, even though he's an interior guy out of Mississippi state. He has the size that maybe he could be a little bit more versatile and maybe even play tackle. Uh, I like it as at least depth, but potential starter at any of the positions on the offensive line. And then we go fourth round, stay with the offense the rest of the draft. Tight end Josh Oliver out of San Jose State, an athletic guy with some upside, uh, receiving threat, and, and makes sense to me for a developmental guy on day three. And we finish it off with Rodney Anderson, running back, Oklahoma more because of we like the upside and the potential value here if he regains his health and gets back to where he, he's supposed to be. And we always have an eye on the future here once we get into day three, and running back could potentially be one in 2020. 
So in this mock draft, the needs that we're left with after five rounds, according to the draft network, are offensive tackle, quarterback, corner, which, you know, uh, they they need a corner potentially, but they did draft two in the fifth last year. And at this point, that's what we're talking about this year. We didn't come away with a wide receiver to challenge uh, John Ross or any of the other, you know, Cody Core. Uh, Josh Malone types on the roster. We didn't come away with an interior defensive lineman. Although perhaps drafting Brian Burns gives you some flexibility there to kick some other guys inside. So that's the kind of needs that you're looking at filling in the sixth round. You're never really filling a need in the sixth round, but maybe they take a swing on a guy. Or maybe they use a sixth-round pick to move up at the end of the fifth round there to draft somebody that they like that's falling. Exactly. uh, Tackle or quarterback or whatever. And with five sixth-round picks... Uh, you could get a lot of developmental players at these positions. So, and yeah, they're low chance of hitting, but at least it rounds out the back end of your depth chart. And that will round out our mock draft Monday. It's a different one this week. We're trying to keep it fresh, trying to pick different players here to present different possibilities at different rounds, even as kind of our understanding as fans of the NFL draft evolves with the evaluations of guys like Elton Jenkins moving up and Ben Burkirvan all the way up into the top of the second round, which it might be early for him, but it might not. We'll have to see how that plays out on draft day. Getting to our mentions with how much you hate or love the draft. Like I said, we are trying to keep it fresh every week. These weren't necessarily the picks that we would always make given who was on the board, but in the interest of an intellectual exercise of evaluating different players that might be drafted in different places by the Cincinnati Bengals. This is the draft this week. Brian Burns, Ben Burkirvan, Elton Jenkins, Josh Oliver, Rodney Anderson. That'll do it for us here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast for Mock Draft Monday. For Joe, I'm Jake. Have a great one, Bengals fans. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.